Performance Podcast from Bottom Line Technologies. Any financial institution doing business in today's payments landscape is witnessing dramatic change in the short and long term. As financial transactions skyrocket in volume and complexity, traditional banking infrastructures are strained, prompting a necessary shift to more scalable, reliable, and efficient systems. Enter the cloud and SaaS-based service models. My name is John Gaffney. I'll be your host for this episode of the Payments Podcast that will cover the move toward these SaaS-based models, which are reaching a new level of urgency as financial institutions face a competitive set that requires an always-on customer experience and the need to access vast amounts of data to predict market trends, manage, manage risks, and offer personalized services. Is cloud computing and SaaS-based service models the future for financial institutions? To address this and other important issues, we're privileged to have two experts in global banking and financial messaging from bottom line today. From our London office, we're happy to have Ed Ireland. And from our office in Switzerland, Fred Viard, both of which are joint head of commercial product for financial messaging. Ed has 20 years experience and more in the financial services field, including a 10-year stint with SWIFT which will be hosting its flagship conference, Cybos, on September 21st in Cybos. Ed, welcome. Thank you, John. It's good to be here. And like Ed, Fred is a veteran in the global finance field. He's focused currently on several initiatives around payments, multi-channel connectivity, cloud-based solutions, and fraud protection. Welcome, Fred. Thank you, John. And gentlemen, before I get into the heart of these issues we're going to cover, um, let's put our discussion into some context Cloud-based computing and SaaS models have been available to financial institutions since Amazon launched Amazon Web Service in 2006. Now, fast forward to today and research from Accenture's Banking Cloud Rotation Index found that about 12% of all the industry's workloads have been pushed to the cloud in North America, which is slightly higher than um, you would find in the UK and EU. Ed, I'd like to start with you. What are some of the dynamics in the industry that have pushed the cloud into the forefront of today's technology infrastructure discussions? Um, Yeah, so John, it's a a good question. I think there's a couple of things that spring to mind immediately. Um, The first thing is the advance in technology. Uh, So I think that simply the the increased capabilities of telecom providers, uh, server capacity, hosted server capacity has, has meant it's much more possible for institutions to outsource and move to hosted and cloud-based services. That's the first thing. And the second thing I think is the rate of change in technology and requirements and connectivity to schemes. So before we were working in relatively static environments where there was limited change over a number of years, and now we're seeing incremental change almost permanently. uh, And that's driving institutions towards using hosted services, cloud-based services. Okay, interesting. Yeah, the technology certainly is moving at a pretty rapid pace. Fred, let's go to you. Can you bring us up to date on how the cloud fits into today's financial institution roadmap? And from your perspective, what are the most prominent pain points that the cloud and SaaS-based models are poised to solve? I think one of the very important points is that the banks today, they have a huge agenda, a lot of things to cover, to to meet um, a lot of requirements, both coming from the market, from the regulation, from the customers. So I think if we could list few pain points, one of them is really the the new regulations and initiatives uh, with which the the banks have to to comply. And uh, this this is really uh, accelerating nowadays. So I would say that 
a SaaS model uh, can help to really uh, go faster and to tick many boxes in, in that space around regulation and, and, and initiatives. Other pain points are around the, the customer expectations. So digitalization is really a key item. So they need, the banks, they need to move fast to provide customers uh, with new services, with an improved user experience. And again, I think time to market is something that uh, can uh, be provided by, by SaaS service provider, as long as modern services to, to end customer. We see something which was, let's say, almost always here, but I think it has accelerated. It's about fragmentation. We are in a stressed geopo geopolitical environment and with multiple regimes and, and new requirements, different requirements per country, per region, and it might be very costly to implement. Then going to a SaaS provider or a hosted service provider can help to, to reduce cost because you can uh, access a service quite quickly to, to meet some uh, expectation. As mentioned also by Ed, the complexification of the technology. This is something which is coming with, with new API, with new technology, new microservices, new way of setting things to be faster. And I think um, there is a need to rely on experts on the domain. And then this is again a place where, where SaaS provider can help. A risk as well, because if you are not building the right stuff, or if you don't rely on a, on a set of experts, then you can make it wrong. So going to, to someone who has really the skills and the people uh, could help and facilitate uh, the, the implementation of, of new services um, while reducing risk. And finally, of course, this is about cost. When you are starting to implement something, you know where you start, you don't necessarily know where you will finish. So going with something which is a service that you, you will pay per use, is something that enables the banks to have a much better visibility on their cost for accessing and providing new services. I think this is some of the pain points that the banks are facing today. Well said, Fred. So let's flip the script. On the other side of the equation, what are the key benefits? I mean, how does the cloud solve for some of these pain points that you just mentioned? So I think, as briefly said, so I think time to market provision of new services is really something which is which is a key element because uh, as soon as you need to enter a new market or to provide new services for a customer segment, then you can go faster by providing a service which is already existing and you just, just need to access it. So I think this is a way of providing services much more quickly uh, in the market. One, one other aspect is the, the breadth of the offering that um, a SaaS provider can, can provide. So a kind of one-stop shop where you can have multiple services uh, given in one go, which is very important. The expertise of these new technological environments that can be provided by SaaS provider is also something which can bring value to the bank. Uh, we mentioned cost. I think as soon as you have a pair-per-use model, then you have a, you can let's say figure out a better profitability to have a lower cost of ownership, which is important. You don't need to run all the systems and all the people to run the system, so you can really use the service. And also, it's something that can help to position the bank as a modern player. So if you can provide much more quickly new services, then you have. A perception on the market, which makes you a, a modern player driving driving the market. So I think it's very important to have this position, especially in this very competitive space, uh, which is the banking environment. And and finally, I think it is also a way of accessing new services quite quickly to have a quicker expansion for new market or new customer segments. So I would say really the key point is you can go fast as a known cost to extend your business.
So, Fred, let's stay with you. I mentioned Cybos um, in, in the intro, and the theme for this year's conference is collaboration. Um, I know you've had a great phrase that I love. We have collaborative finance in a fragmented world. I think that's just brilliant. So tell us a little bit about, um, in your opinion anyway, how does the cloud model encourage this kind of collaboration between financial institutions and their customers? Yeah, so the, the, this phrase is a paraphrase of the, the cyber theme this year. I think it's it's a very good approach because we have this fragmented world and it is again accelerating with the geopolitical uncertainty today. So th there is a need to to collaborate between the players that have the same goal, especially in the non-competitive space, but you can share views and the SaaS can help to provide in one go several types of services addressing several regions, several rails and needs that can be leveraged across the banks because there is no real, I would say, um, competitive advantage of providing access to network A or to network B. But, but I think if we can accelerate the, the collaborations to have something where the, the same player sharing the same uh, views and, and needs, I would say, then you could go faster and you can leverage from each other in the non-competitive space to go faster and to remain a strong strength uh, into the market. So collaboration is really something which is useful for addressing this fragmented market, um, especially today where we have this, this geopolitical environment. So collaboration will be key partnership to go faster, to find innovative way of addressing some pain point or risk depending on the region. So I think there is a need of collaboration. Of course, there will be always competition between the various banks, but this collaboration at the level where there is limited uh, advantage, such as accessing a network, is something which is very important in the future. So we need to have a collaboration, especially in, in a world where there is this fragmentation. Otherwise, everything will be fragmented and it would be very difficult to manage the the, the banking business, I would say, at the global uh, at the global level. Thanks, Fred. So, Ed, follow up question um, on that for you. Let, let's get down to a real specific financial messaging standpoint here. What does cloud migration facilitate for financial institutions from a financial messaging standpoint? Yeah. So, uh, so, so a move towards a hosted environment. Uh, what are some of the benefits of that? I mean, to come back to what Fred was talking about in terms of time to market and. Um, leveraging expertise one of the advantages you have when you move towards a hosted environment is that you can you can leverage um, a consolidated expertise base for a particular subject you know when we look at our customers that they're, they're needing to manage so many really quite specific regulations whether they're cross-border or domestic focus so if you think about some of our customers we've got customers in the uk that need to implement the confirmation of payee you've got iso 20022 as a global standard you've got sick ip in switzerland sepa in in europe these are all got specific requirements against defined timelines that are set for them and we can't expect or our customers can't really expect themselves to know the level of detail that they need to have to implement those successfully unless they're going to throw an enormous amount of resource at it so the alternative to that is to move towards a platform-based architecture where you've got that shared expertise which you can leverage where you know where you've got people like us and ISO 2002 where we're implementing hundreds of projects we know exactly what to do and we can onboard the customer in the timeline that they need and, and I think that's one of the advantages that customers are seeing of moving towards a, a platform-based architecture rather than a, a, de a historic deployed uh, infrastructure. 
So I'm interested to know, um, we talked about confirmation of pay being part of this discussion at one point. How does that fit into the into this whole discussion here? So I, I think it fits really nicely. So so to Fred's point, you know, there, there are some areas of, of the business that we're in, financial uh, financial institutions requirements that are that are not competitive. So so this is a regulatory requirement and uh, the success of the program is dependent on everybody using it. Uh, and so the importance is is not whether you have a better confirmation of payee proposition than everybody else, because everybody has to follow the same rule book. Uh, but the importance is that everybody gets on board quickly. And if you look at the requirements there, if you were an individual institution working on your own, you've got to digest all of the requirements, you've got to stand up all the technology, and then you've got to go live on your own. But another institution has got to do exactly the same thing. And so the benefit of moving towards a hosted or platform-based architecture is that that technology, that rule book, that architecture can be built once, and you can join that architecture rather than having to build it yourself. And that's where we see the advantage. You know, So you've got 400 institutions in the UK that have all got to adopt this. They're not all going to build their own engine. They can onboard onto a shared platform so that they can leverage the same technology. The community can move together and you can have a solution that works for the market, which is a regulatory requirement. There's no competitive edge there uh, and you have a successful project. So let, let's come back to, to competition a little bit, Fred. Um, from from our perspective, from your perspective, what makes a service provider unique? What, how should a financial institution evaluate a cloud service partner? I think we can look at that at several aspects. I would say track record. So having, a, let's say, a proven customer base expertise, experience in that space. So because, as it has been said, so it's very, it is becoming quite complicated, quite sophisticated in terms of technologies, in terms of uh, fragmentation of, of the rules that have to be applied. So I would say having a track record experience uh, help really uh, the banks to rely on a trusted expert uh, who knows where he's going and he has the experience of having things changing and to make all, all the proposition uh, evolving at, at the pace which is required by the market. So it's really about the track record, the, the also the depth and breadth of propositions that you can offer. Then you can have a, a bigger one-stop shop, uh, if we can say that, uh, for, for the various for, for the various bank. I think it's also about investment because it, where do you put your money? So where do you invest? So do you want to cover more rails, more geography? So you have to assess uh, the position of, of this of this provider in order to make sure that he will meet your your expectation and that he will invest in the proposition in the technology to to keep up with the, the evolutions, to be really API-driven, to understand how the new services will be uh, built on microservices, to go faster, uh, how to operate in multiple regions. It is really key, uh, important items to, to consider. And I would say that just for a bit of advertising, bottom line is very good uh, and best in class for in, in various reports about vendor stability due to our footprint, about servicing, time to market of new solution, uh, and the percent of recurring revenue because I mentioned investment. So if you can rely on, on a recurring revenue that help you to build new functionalities, then you will you will be in a position to provide new services to customers and to adapt continuously uh, the the required features for for coming from the market. 
Okay, back to you, Ed. I'm I'm going to give our listeners a sneak peek from uh, our soon-to-be-released competitive banking report in a couple of data points here. Um, it shows that 27% of banks and financial institutions identify legacy systems as the biggest issue with their current payments infrastructure. Ed, how would you counsel financial institution that still relies on legacy systems to migrate to the cloud? And if you could, include anything about how legacy systems still have you some utility in today's financial landscape yeah so john so when institutions are looking at moving towards uh, hosted um, cloud-based infrastructures i think i think it's fairly recognized that to some extent everybody's going to do it um, now whether people move 100 percent to cloud or not is, is sort of up to them there are certain there are certain components of, of an institution's uh, offering that they might want to keep, and also, you know, if, if it's if it's not broken, don't don't fix it. So if it's very reliable, robust, scalable, you might choose just just leave it where it is. Most of the institutions that we work with that are moving towards hosted services are, are doing so selectively. So so they're they're moving certain services either when they become end of life or when they're needing to add new functionality or they've got to add new features uh, to their capabilities, and that's when they look to to add in. Um, hosted services to support their business. So I think we're going to be in a hybrid world for a long time where people have got some of their infrastructure hosted and some of it still deployed in their own infrastructure. Let's talk about sanction screening because it does have an active intersection with cloud models. And by way of background, what we mean here is the sanction screening ensures that banks aren't facilitating transactions or holding accounts for entities associated with terrorism or other threats to natural, uh, national security. And historically, banks have relied on in-house IT infrastructures and manually updated databases to track sanctions lists. Um, Fred, my question for you is how can the cloud help financial institutions manage sanction screening in what is certainly an unstable geopolitical environment? The first thing, just, just to give a bit of history, so the sanction screening let's say need started in 2001 after the terrorist attack of the 9-11 just after that we had only few lists so the us one OFAC, then the canadian one osfi plus few others and they came with a swiss list uk list and so on the eu list and so on today we have hundred on the list hundred of lists which is really a, a tons of names of, of different program of different regime to be applied in that case not in this case and so on and so on so the, the, it has become very very big compared to what it was 20 years ago so today to 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 manage on your own the list that you will pick up on the various internet websites become very very difficult so i believe that today it's really much more reasonable to rely on third party vendor uh, who are making the aggregation of this list for you and who are really helping you to address the various programs per country, per region, per region, and so on. So a big evolution in that space. But the other flip of the coin, when you look at this growing uh, set of data coming from the, the list, this is the number of false positives because the bigger list you have, then the, the, the higher rate of false positives you will have. So you really need to have something which is um, able to cope with big leads, but also which is able to reduce the maximum possible the rate of false positives. So you need systems which are prov proven, audited, that have shown that they can meet the requirements and to not stop everything or to not let it go everything. So we really need to have a good solution, a solution that can be also 
either within your financial messaging flow or something that can be called by any external application via an API, for instance. You need to have both solutions because these control sanctions cleaning control can be made at several levels. So you could imagine to implement it at the Swift flow level in and out, but you can also imagine to have it uh, as a call from an external uh, solution. So the, the, the SaaS again will help here by providing several implementation options. Is it a standalone call or is it something which is within your flow? And it will also rely on third party list vendors that can really ensure that you have the most up to date list uh, with the lower false positive rate. So this is again questions of skills, of flexibility of the solution and the quality of the solution that really can help the bank to comply with this sanction. Uh, just an interesting point around sanction is the, the recent um, um, European Council, let's say, push towards instant payment, SEPA inst, where they see that these uh, sanction screening is generating a, a high rate of false positive. So they are they are proposing to change uh, to move out of sanction screening uh, in the middle of the flows and to replace that by a combination of an API call to control the IBAN and the, and the beneficiaries, and also a daily, at least minimum daily check of your customer base. Then with that, you should be in a position to ensure and to de-risk your traffic while not creating false positives. So sanction screening is something which is evolving. Of course, it makes a lot of sense when you have cross-border payment where you don't know exactly who is involved in the transaction or not necessarily who is involved in the transaction. But as soon as you enter in a closed environment, domestic environments, maybe, uh, especially in the instant payment world where you need to go very fast, maybe you could have different implementation or flavor of these kinds of principle to uh, would say de-risk the same things, but with different methods. So this is a really an evolving things, which again, the SaaS can help by providing the various flavors of implementation or, or the various methods which are required to ensure that you are not performing any transaction with people which are uh, in the sanction list. Thanks for that, Fred. Very important issue. And for our last issue, Ed, I'm going to come back to you the, uh, and back to the competitive banking report, which shows that 61% of banks and financial in institutions have a strong or extremely strong appetite to transition to the cloud in, within five years. So my question to you is somewhat hypothetical. Do you think uh, we'll see a day where 100% of, of financial institutions' business is done in the cloud? Uh, I think it'll depend on the financial institution. I think there'll be some, yes, um, but then I think there will also be plenty where not everything has moved. Um, so I think back to my point earlier that uh, if it's if it's not broken, then institutions are not going to try and fix it. It's going to remain where it is. Uh, but for new services, they're going to they're mainly going to be deployed in the cloud. I think, and then for new entrants to the market, they might go 100% cloud from day one. So I think it'll depend on the type of institution, the age of the institution, um, and uh, the number of services they're having to provide. Fred, you get the last word. What's your take on the 100% debate topic? So I completely agree with Ed. I think it will be it will depend of the bank profile. So if you are a payment service provider, or a fintech, or an asset manager, or a long-established uh, banks with a global coverage or just a local coverage, I think all of that will will define how far you will go in your uh, outsourcing and SaaS model. 
But I agree that for new features, for new requirements, it is coming so fast in, in the last few years that it becomes very difficult to cope with everything. So one of the best options is to rely on a third-party provider who will enable you with these requirements uh, quite quickly uh, and uh, with a good visibility on the cost it will have on the bank. So as said, I think the hybrid model for some 100% model for others, and all the range in between will probably apply in, in, the, in the coming years. All right, good episode. That's a wrap. Fred Viard, thank you very much for joining us from Geneva today. My pleasure. And Ed Ireland, always good to talk to you from our London office. Thank you, John. So we're on um, anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. We're on Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud, and we will see you there next time. from Bottom Line Technologies.